Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark. I serve as a Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I am delighted to welcome Mike Miller. Mike is the Vice President of External Affairs and Workforce Integration at Space Florida. He has a bachelor's degree from the University of Florida and an MBA from our Crummer Graduate School of Business here at Rollins College. His background in public service, U.S. politics, state politics, and education is fascinating, and we are in store for a great show. Mike, thanks for being with us. Glad to have you here on Rollins Around Town. Well, good morning, Sam. Thank you for having me. This is a great honor. Well, thank you. So, Mike, first, give us your quick backstory. Where where where'd you grow up, and, and sort of what's your story that led you to the University of Florida? Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in Washington D.C., uh, and I was uh, I was fortunate, believe it or not, my grandmother, my mom's uh, mom, was down here in Winter Park. So, starting at a, probably when I was five or six years old, I actually literally took the train right in here to Central Park and got off the train and went to the East India ice cream shop, and then I went to the little professor bookstore and I got a book and. I asked my grandmother, I said, is, you know, is the rest of the world like this? And she said, no, Winter Park's a pretty special place. So I literally went back to D.C. I went to high school up there. I was fortunate enough to get a baseball scholarship to come to the University of Florida, which is, you know, not too far from, from here. So I would come down here a lot, and I would bring whoever I was dating at the time and, or whoever, you know, just friends and whoever. And, fan, and I, I, I said, I'm going to live here someday. And, um, and lo and behold, I went back to Washington, D.C. after college. I met a wonderful girl from North Dakota. And I brought her down here on a spring day when they had the art festival and the road race and all the things. And I said, what do you think, Nora? And she said, wow. <laughs> and so we've lived here now for 28 years, and we've raised our kids here, and it's just been a fantastic experience. So, yeah. All started on the train. <laughs> yeah. Um, so right out of college, well, you, you played baseball. Yes. Pitcher. I was a left-handed pitcher. Uh was a great experience there too. I, I really enjoyed my time with the Gators, uh, but I was not quite good enough to to make the professional uh, level. I did get a lot of opportunity to play. I actually went ahead and uh, was invited to play in Cuba one time, but there was a there was a team that was going down. So, you know, Cuba's gone back and forth in terms of how we we handle them from a political standpoint. But we were trying to we were America was trying to figure out a way to to kind of you know you know just be a better neighbor. So. They were going to have a major league baseball team go down to to play in Cuba, and they but they wanted to have a practice squad to come in and kind of check it out and see how the all the rhythm of the travel and everything would be. So I got on that team and I got the chance to go play for the United States in Cuba in front of you know they're big baseball fans. It was it was like being in the major leagues, and uh, so that was that, that was a great opportunity for me that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But no, but didn't didn't get a chance to play pro ball. But that was that was sort of the highlight to get a chance to, to represent our country in Cuba. Love that, very cool. So out of college, after a little bit of baseball, you worked for uh, U.S. Senator Connie Mack in Washington. That seemed to sort of set your course for work in government and public service and politics. You had a brief stint here at Rollins, interestingly, which we'll, we'll talk about later. But was that sort of your plan? I mean, did you graduate thinking? I'm, I'm going to get to D.C., you know, hometown, and we're getting politics and public service? Well, I think 
you know, hopefully the, the students that are listening right now, they're going to probably hear this and think, uh-oh, but I, I graduated from college, you know, thought I might be a baseball guy. And then when I, when that didn't work out, I went home and my parents are said, they basically said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and so, so I, they said, you got to go find a place to live and get a job. So I, I had grown up in DC, like I said, but I had never really been around the, the, the political stuff. You know, Capitol Hill is sort of, it's up on a hill. You look, you kind of don't really know what's going on up there if you grew up there. Right. And so I was curious and I said, I'm going to go up there and get a job and just by the grace of God, I got a job with Connie Mack, and he was just such an honorable man. He has a you know a, a great life story, obviously correlated to baseball, but that's not really why I went to work for him. But but he ended up being somebody that I always emulated because he was a you know, he was a really reasonable man who thought through issues and was trying to be a good policy person. wasn't wasn't hyper emotional. was was much was a very calm office and was a very reasoned person. He would think through issues and try to come up with a reasonable standard to, to try to, you know, make better law. So that, yeah, that did set my course to try to be what I would hope to have been, and still hope to be, a reasonable person. Well, I'd say you are. Um, <laughs> mission accomplished. Uh, you spent time there. You did, you did get to Florida finally. And, um, again, you had a lot of great experiences with elected officials. That sort of seemed to be where you were really thriving. I mean, you've worked for... U.S. Reps Bill McCollum, Rick Keller, uh, Connie Mack, Tom Rooney, Catherine Harris, Senators Mel Martinez and Marco Rubio. Yeah. All here and all probably fairly different roles. Yeah. I, you know, but so when when Senator Mack uh, was getting ready to retire, the Bill McCollum was sort of the heir apparent. And so I, I was lucky enough that there were some folks in, in the Connie Mack world that were going to come to Orlando and help Bill. Bill was a congressman at the time representing Orlando. And so I had, I had a wonderful experience working for Bill. Uh, you know, he, he was a, I mean, you want to talk about a hardworking guy. He taught me that, you know, hard work pays off, that he, you know, at a young age got elected to Congress and worked very hard and, and was just a, a, a really great example of, of hard work. So I, I spent my time working with him on, on a couple different times he tried to run for the United States Senate. He ended up being our attorney general. So, you know, he, right. he, and I know he also tried to run for governor, but he was an outstanding attorney general for Florida. But at the time I was working, you know, all these different positions, I was, I would I would go back and forth between a campaign like I did for Bill McCollum or or in the case of Rick Keller I was actually the district director so I got the opportunity to to really help a lot of the programs that are going on here in Central Florida I would work you know the the congressman at the time Keller was on the education committee so I was and he was the only Republican from Florida on an education committee up in in DC so I got the opportunity to really learn a lot about higher ed learn a lot about Pell grants learn a lot about student aid and all those things so so that was an opportunity from the government side. And then I went and worked for somebody like Mel Martinez, who was running for, for the United States Senate, and, and Marco Rubio, who was, who was probably my last ride, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, quite an experience. Uh, Marco Rubio it was a, you know, still is a man on a mission. When you, when you, when you meet him, you, you, see, you look in his eyes and you're like, he, he really is passionate about America, passionate about freedom. Yeah. Uh, with his with his parents coming from Cuba back to the Cuba thing, he really you can see how how much he wants to make America you know a, a, a safe and prosperous place where you where freedom thrives and that and I got a lot of we called it windshield time. I drive around Florida with him, right. and 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 you just feel it. He was he was really directed and really motivated and uh, so that and he was he was always been good to me. You know, I, even after I stopped working for him, I, when I see him or I visit with him, he's he's a, he's a, he's a friend. Yeah. That's impressive. What a great, uh, great experiences. I'll, I'll ask it later because you've had such um, a, a scope of, well, I'll ask it now. You've, you've had such a scope of political perspective. Um, again, we'll get to it, but we can talk about it. You, you, you ran for office. Yeah. You won um, 
uh, seat to be a, a, a House of Representatives member in our Florida legislature here in Florida. Um, first, how, how was that? Why did you do it? And uh, what, what did you kind of love or maybe even not so much love about that opportunity? Well, we, talking about Marco, so I was working for Senator Rubio uh, on his campaign, and when that was settled, I, my, you know, my, I brought the beautiful girl from North Dakota here, and we had, we had two young children, and I was thinking to myself, do I go back to D.C. and work for the senator, or how do we work that out? Uh, and I thought that was just, we just collectively thought it was not a good idea. So the, the opportunity came to work here. And I actually got a job working at Rollins College, and I was so grateful for that because it was a fantastic experience. Um, I had gotten an MBA previous to this. I, I Back in 2006, 2007, um, I was considering all this back and forth with politics. I thought maybe, you know, I got I to gotta try something new. So I, I went and got the MBA, which I was a great – we can talk about Crummer in a second because that was super cool. But I get to the, to the uh, end of that Marco Rubio uh, race and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need to do something else. So there was a job here at Rollins to in the uh, uh, in, in the advancement office to do um, some some uh, fundraising, and so I went over there and it was it was a great experience and I loved it. But I kind of had this little missing this itch about politics. I was like, so I, I went and asked President Duncan at the time. I said, what do, what do you think if I you know maybe had a second job, maybe I moonlighted or something, you know? And he kind of looked at me and he said, well, I'm, I'm looking at your resume and I'm I'm thinking about who you are and what you've done with your career thus far. And he said. Why wouldn't you run for office? And I thought, well, I, I, that'd be interesting. I, I know a lot about it. Uh, and he said, you know what? You, you, you should, you should you know, think about that. So I left his office, and I went home, and I asked Nora, and I said, what do you think about me running for office? And she said, well, you know, you don't have a lot going on. Maybe you should. <laughs> and I don't mean that by the fact that she didn't like my job or the, or right. the kids, but she could tell I was itching for something, right? So I ran for the state house uh, in 2014, and uh, it was a it was a, you know, almost one of those moments that you, you don't think you're going to win. And then, then the election results come in and you're like, wow, now what? <laughs> I'm going to serve in the state house, which I have to say, and, and to anybody who's thinking about uh, politics as, as, a, as a career or something that they would like to even experiment on, the the uh, the the opportunity to work in the, in the state level as opposed to the federal level, you know, federal level gets all the TV time. Right. You see all the things. And it's it's a pretty I mean. It can be interesting, right? I, right now, I think it would be pretty difficult to be up there, but on the, and and the state house can can get a little noisy too. But but by and large, when you're at the state level, it is really a great opportunity to get to know your community like you never would otherwise. You're knocking on people's doors that you never would normally meet. Sometimes they'll tell you exactly what they're thinking, <laughs> and, and and it's not always you know something you agree with, but you but you but you can try to make that like I back to try to be reasonable, yeah. listen to their concerns. And, and I'll tell you what, there's a couple times, Sam, where I, I met somebody and they said, hey, do you realize that if you're homeless and you want to try to get out of homelessness, the number one issue is you don't have an ID. You don't even know who you are because of maybe substance abuse or mental illness or just, just you know, being in a, I mean, a, I don't even know, how, how, how do you start getting out of the right. ditch, right. right? Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out who you are and maybe get a some sort of an ID that says I am Joe and I would like to get a job or I would like to come stay in this shelter. And I met a guy knocking on doors doing just that. And he said, Mike, me, he said, his name is Mike also. He said, you're going to help me if you get elected. And I said, I promise you I will. And, and as soon as I got elected, he knocked on my door and he said, you promised. And that is exactly what it takes. And you know, when you have, you know, somebody in your community who cares and then they find you as a, as, as now a newly elected state rep, 
and we worked together, and I got to go see his operation and, and the way he, he's, he operates out of different uh, entities downtown, and it's awesome. And you see these people, when they get an ID, it's like, it's like they've got a new identity. And, and, it's, and then they can go find, you know, just get started on the whole process of cleaning up and finding a place to live and, or, or just, just whatever. So that's just one example yeah, of, of the opportunity in, in, sta- in state government. And, uh, and so, I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I got, to ch- I got the chance to – I got elected in 2014. I got elected in, again in 2016. And, um, and, then I, and, then I got, and then I got that other itch again where I said, you know what, I worked for all these federal office holders. I, I, I grew up in D.C. I thought, wouldn't that be interesting? Maybe I'll run for Congress. Right. And I ran into another good friend of Rollins College, uh, Stephanie Murphy, who, had, who was the current congresswoman at the time. And as I told her, and, and, uh, and as I still, you know, we, we personally are fine. Yep. But we just had a disagreement on the, the you know the policies and the, and the focus of our of our of our country and and and, and so uh, as a sitting congresswoman she she was sitting on the high ground you know it's it was a, it was a difficult race but I thought I had a you know a decent shot um, and I did not win right. so you know that was that's just how the ball rolls right so and that that got me into this whole conversation with you know now that I've learned a lot about state government. What, what would be the next step there? So I, I've had a couple great opportunities. I guess yeah. we're probably going to talk well, about those. I, first, I want to sort of just get your perspective. Um, like you, t- to some degree, I'm kind of a political junkie and had an internship with a U.S. senator when I was a student at Rollins. And um, it's just so different, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, this isn't even about politics per se. It's just about um, maybe character, maybe dignity, um, maybe kindness. And... Boy, both Washington and Tallahassee just seem to be different places today than they were certainly when you were working for Connie Mack and when I had a little stint with Jeff Bingaman and um, you know yeah what, what is it is it is it gonna I think is it's this a full circle thing I yeah you know the the beautiful thing about America and I think America has gone through lots of circumstances you know 240 plus years where the rubber band stretches, right, mm-hmm. but it doesn't break. You know, you always get worried about that. You know, politicians will sometimes say, oh, this is, you know, this is unprecedented times, but that rubber band seems to kind of, kind of, you know, get a, a little more elastic and then it comes back. And I think that's what um, I, I, I believe, and I, and I always think when I listen to some of the hyperbolic, you know, right. conversation that's going on, yeah. I think, you know, on both sides, it's, you know, and then I think, oh my gosh, guys, sometimes compromise is not necessarily a bad word. You know, fi- finding common ground and finding a place that we can agree to it's, it's a very powerful position if, if you have confidence in that, that what, you're, what you're doing is the right thing to do. And I think that's where, you know, again, I had that happen multiple times in Tallahassee where I was able to, to work, uh, you know, with my own side and with the other side and to find common ground on certain things. We talk about education. You know, one thing that comes to mind for me is in the Alzheimer's realm, right? You know, we've got basically Alzheimer's is, is now becoming something where it's just, I mean, it's touching every family and everybody has to you know, figure out how are we going to hopefully solve it. But in the, at the very least, how do we manage all of the, the, the healthcare things and the, and the cost and all the stuff that's around somebody that's, 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 you know, uh, you know, has Alzheimer's or dementia. So that, that's that common ground and that ability to talk about the funding and the structure and, and how the state can help the local communities, you know, solve that or not, you know, at least, at least deal with a, with a, with a very difficult situation. Those kind of common ground things is what you look for in politics and what you look for to try to make a difference in your community. Yeah. You had one of my favorite all-time political sort of taglines. <laughs> um, if you haven't figured out, probably somewhat obvious what, what parties Mike's in and uh, God bless him and all, all good. What, what, what was, just share it with everybody. 
throws left, votes right. There we go. <laughs> I think you almost had like a baseball card. That you I did. I did. I actually had to call the University of Florida and say, "Is it okay if I use this photo?" Because I had a, you know, the photo from the from the team. Uh, you know, they had individual photo shots like you'd see on a on a Topps baseball card. And uh, yeah, they put it on there. And then and then at the, and on the back, you know, the statistics. Uh, when I was running in the primary, it was more just about like who I'd worked for, kind of what you, the the, yeah. the rundown that you did. And then when and then when I won the primary, it was more about a, on a policy thing. Like if I if I yeah. am your state rep, I will do this and this. It was brilliant. Yeah, thank Fantastic. you. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so real quickly, talk about your crummers. They're not worth very much on eBay, no, by sadly, the way. <laughs> but uh, they're still darn cool. Um, uh, crummer, right? Like, what was that learning environment like? And uh, what was that? you know, in class. Yeah, I talk about Crummer a lot, and, and I have some dear friends. I still keep up with them. I, one of them, Andy, Andrew Sellers, if you're listening, Andrew, I'm, I'm plugging you here. He's, uh, he's out in Tavares, and he's, a, he's one of those guys you just, you, you're so happy you meet when you come to Crummer because he's, a, he's an entrepreneur. He's, he's a self-made guy. He really works hard. He's, he's got all these different things going on. He can, you can tell he took his Crummer uh, every day. A Crummer was like a, he was like a sponge. He just took it all in and and so I call him every once in a while just to kind of refresh some of my MBA uh, stuff because I, you know, I, I, I was more of the guy that was, and I loved this about Crummer. This is the best part about Crummer. The professor is more of like the, the, uh, the referee, right? He or she will get up there and say, the subject for today is X, Y, Z. And, you know, by the way, here's a couple of historical facts and here's a couple of statistics you should know. And here's, you know, and then, he would, and then it would just be go. And, and we would have this diverse group of, of students. You know, all of us were, I, I went to the executive side, so it was a little older, but which is great because that, that life's experience, mine being a lot of politics like we talked about, Andrew being an entrepreneur, other guys coming from these, you know, Disney or Universal. One guy was a Marine for 20-some years, and so he had been all over the world and had just great perspective on things. And we would get together, and sometimes it would be 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, Sam, and we'd still be in the basement of Crummer, and somebody would say, "Hey, we got to go to bed. <laughs> we got, we got, we got jobs. We got to go, and then we got to come back here for class." Right. So um, it was, it was fantastic, and uh, we're trying to get a reunion together for some of the folks this year uh, to, to to do something fun. So yeah, I I, I made friends, and I think most importantly, I think the the interaction and the way that the the Crummer professors they don't spoon feed you; they 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 really let you. Think through the issues yeah. and uh, and really and really come up with, which I thought were, were wonderful opportunities for us to, to really stretch our minds and think critically. Love it. And then you, you mentioned your, you know your work here. It was such an important role, and and this is sort of Sam the uh, alum a little bit, but also maybe even Sam now the person who who gets to work with athletics directly. You you had a development officer role really with athletics and so uh, d describe that we don't really have that today there's great work being done sure but you were fairly focused on athletics uh, alum alumni correct yeah and, and sam i you've been very patient with me because through the years i see you around town and, and i always say you know what the, the, this is a gem rollins is a gem so i mean if you don't know this already if the folks are listening that you know rollins about 25 percent of the student body here is an ath athlete at some level right and if you look at their cumulative GPAs, they're all smart kids, and they're working really hard at their at not only at school but at their uh, you know at whatever uh, sport they're playing. And and I would go to some of these uh, games, and I would look around and say, "Gosh, you know, people should come out here. There needs to be more people here. Not not just the other Rollins students. This isn't a dig on the on the kids here. It's just the community. It's 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 an opportunity for for family to come out and watch." Really good athletes. Uh, you know, look at look at the Rollins baseball team. They almost won the national yeah, championship, and we got soccer and lacrosse, all these great sports, uh, and 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 men and women. So you got you got everything. 
Um, and I always tease, you know, Coach Klusman, you know, we, we one, one year we actually did. We, we put the alumni thing together. We, we did a promotion in the local, at that, that time was the local paper, The Observer. Maybe if the, we can start doing something with The Voice. Um, but, but the idea was to get kind of get that critical mass, right? So, so here it is. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday night. We have the alumni up in the Alumni Hall of Fame room. We have, we have the stands pretty much full with kids uh, and, and people from around the community. And we beat Florida Southern, and they were ranked second in the country at the time. And it was one of those things you're like, here we go. We, this is, but it's hard to sustain that. It is hard, it, and it, it does take a, a, a lot of effort to get all of that, those pieces together. But Penny Parker is a wonderful AD, and, I, and, that, and that whole community with the, with the athletes here is, is a great thing. I think, and maybe you and I will talk about this more off, off air, but um, I do think that if, if you get a chance, if you're thinking about something you want to do over the weekend or even on a weeknight, coming out to a baseball game or a softball game, the facilities are really nice. You come here to a basketball game on a rainy, you know, winter's night, and, and you watch these kids hustle. It, it is really eye-opening. They work hard. So we're on some of that stuff. So I might even drag you into some some work on that. So uh, <laughs> I love it. That was good work. Yeah. And and truthfully, the the legacy of your work is um is, is still talked about. And so that's something you know why I think um it, there was clearly proven success and a track record. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that. Two. You've had two. Your Recently, we'll talk about your current role at Space Florida. You had one really interesting um, opportunity um, working as the Chief of External Affairs for the Florida Virtual School. Um, you mentioned a lot of your background because of um, some of the elected officials you worked for and your role uh, in the Florida House in education. Talk about the Florida Virtual School, what that is. Yeah, what a, what a gem the Florida Virtual School is. So uh, ran in that congressional race in 2018 and lost and, you know, kind of needed to kind of gathered myself, you know, was it the, not, not, not so much because I lost the congressional race, mostly because both my parents had passed on in that same sure. year. So it was one of those years where you're like, hey, wh- where is my life going here? But, uh, but by the grace of God, you know, over the summer, I was given an, uh, an opportunity to go work at the Florida Virtual School, which is actually based here in Orlando over on the, on the west side uh, near Valencia College. We, have a, we had an office there. I uh, recently moved closer, uh, a little further down Kirkman Road. But the, it's a virtual school, so it doesn't matter where it is, vir- the brick and mortar side. Right. But this virtual school touches, or you know, uh, has a has an, a, a statewide uh, reach because it is the opportunity for all 67 Florida counties, mm-hmm. and the virtual school itself is its own school district, uh, though it's virtual. And we help students that are either trying to get ahead, you know, they want to take extra classes, or maybe they didn't do so well in algebra and they need to retake the class. Or they want to try to do something over the summer, like a lot of kids will take advantage of our driver's ed because you can you can take that over the summer, or you can take Hope, which is the the, the term for his ed. Driver's ed virtually. Well, you you can learn all the practical stuff, okay. and you can and then you yeah you still have to sit and drive the car and okay. do the three point turn and make sure you got your blinker on. Don't <laughs> worry, you can't do that on a computer. Good. But but you can learn a lot of the rules of the road and and you know just the stuff you got to study. They, and and then it, it it helps you because right now in the state of Florida you have a requirement you have to take a virtual class in order to graduate. So a lot of kids will. Some some kids have to take it, they take advantage of it because it's a wonderful thing because you can take geometry or you can right. take uh, any number of foreign languages and those kind of things you can, you can take them uh, online and they count for st- for credit towards your graduation. So the amazing part about this, Sam, is I took that job and I was like, okay, this will be great. I can be in education. This is a very forward thinking uh, opportunity. And then COVID hit, yeah. and I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, right. so we were helping not only kids in in Florida, right. but other states were calling us and saying, "Hey, you guys do a good job in Florida." Like we had Alaska, the 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 they they called from Alaska and said, 
our kids are you know remote clearly, right. <laughs> but now but they can't come to school even where because of all the COVID uh, protocols at the time. So we help them stand up a virtual school. We help them. We had our teachers you know go you know teach online out there to kind of show them how to awesome. how to do that. Um, uh, it's a it's a slightly different way of, of teaching, but it's also a, a wonderful if, if you if you get the opportunity to, to to see a virtual school class. Um, the interactivity is really interesting, a little bit like what Crummer is. And then also the, the, the parent-teacher-student dynamic because mm-hmm. since the teacher's not there in your living room, it, it, there really is a lot of parental in, engagement, which is, is, I think, a little bit different than a brick-and-mortar school. You usually go for parent-teacher conference, and then right. if, if Joey's doing fine, you really don't talk about it. But in this case, you kind of you kind of have a constant feedback loop. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes for, I think, a really powerful educational tool. Is it K through 12? It's K through 12. Okay. Uh, and we do, yeah, K through 12. We, we've talked a little bit about trying to get into the, the, the pre-K space, but there's, that's a little bit different. And then, um, yeah, K, K-12. And, and listen, it, I think last year it was probably six, 700,000 kids who were, were at, at some level going to Florida Virtual School. We have a full-time program. I say we, but I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> full-time program. And then we also have uh, what I talked about with the, the part-time, you know, kids that were taking one or two classes based on their circumstance yeah. in life. Our president, Grant, who you know well, sure. you know, he has a, a, a comment about, you know, don't ask your kids where they want to go to college. Ask them how they want to learn. Yes. And um, for many kids, virtual's the right way. Yes. And so it's just an option. I think some people automatically think, oh, no, that's not an option. But um, Well, I think, and I appreciate you bringing that up, I think higher ed has definitely broken through that, right? That The blended learning, you call it, you know, the, the ability to try to, that, that part is fantastic. I think in the in the in the in the K twelve world, there's a little bit more hesitancy about you know how how do we manage that. But I think I think what 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 Grant said is exactly right. It's not it's not w- what you're going to learn. It's how, how you're going to learn. I mean, you get to a child and and he or she is 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 engaged in it from a virtual standpoint. Great, they, yeah. they're going to get it. Right, it's wonderful. So uh, then you get a great opportunity at uh, Space Florida. Uh, fairly similar role, right, to sort of be um, uh, Vice President of External Affairs and Workforce Integration. First, what is Space Florida? Yeah, Space Florida is a really interesting – now, I, I love my time at virtual school, and that gave me the opportunity to, to learn the, the agency side of government, right? So the Florida Virtual School is a, is a school district, but it's also – you know, it, it receives funding from the state, and we have obligations to report and make sure we're doing the right thing by the teachers and the students and the, and the uh, faculty. Space Florida is a more of a, uh, we are both a corporation and a spaceport authority. So just like you'd go to the, uh, out to the airport, the, the Greater Orlando Aviation Authority, well, we're the state spaceport authority. So if, if you're looking to start an aerospace business or move from another state, uh, you, you want to come to us because we can help you figure out where you're best suited to, to maybe build your building or you know, build your rocket. Yeah. Obviously, we, we launch rockets primarily at the Cape, but we also have another spaceport up at Cecil Field in Jacksonville, and they're, they're looking at opportunities there. And as technology gets better, you know, we don't think anymore about planes flying right over our heads, right, on their way to the airport. So eventually that's going to happen with, with, air, with spacecraft. Right. Um, but right now we primarily launch at the Cape. So we help as sort of a concierge, if you will, with figuring out how to get your company up and rolling. If you need financing, we'll help you go out. We don't finance ourselves, but we'll help you talk to the banks and talk to the investment world about, you know, this is a company that really has a good idea and, and wants to – because a lot of people think about rockets as the rocket, right? But really, 
it's the it's the pointy end, as our CEO likes to say. It's the top of the rocket. You know, the satellites and all the things that are going to space. That's where the money is, right? That's where the and that's where there is a opportunity for. You can see Elon Musk doing it now with the Starlink. You know, right. he is creating a, a value proposition for for the globe that wasn't there when we were doing exploration to the moon. Right. Um, but now that's a value. Also, you look at the Artemis program and what they're going to do by going to the moon and starting because the moon with zero gravity or very next to no gravity, is a great launching place to try to get to Mars, right? And then if you figure out all the infrastructure on how to live in space, then if we do try to go to planet to planet, we can practice at our nearest thing, right? And that, that's all happening in real time, Sam. Right. So, so what, what, what I'm experiencing at Space Florida is the opportunity to see all that, which is truly a, a magical thing at, that the state of Florida has. And then I'm also able, because of my time learning the state agency piece, translating that back to the state government, to, to the governor's office and to, to the legislators, that this value, uh, valuable asset, we've got we to be careful about not over-regulating it, you know, making sure that it's safe and, and we've got all the things in, in place um, to make it better, right. but, but doing it right. And that's, that's, been a, that's been a wonderful experience. And, you, and as you see here, Central Florida, just look, 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 right. look to the east pretty much every afternoon or evening, you're going to see something. It's amazing. And that cadence is going to continue, Sam. I think you know, we're looking at about 95 launches this year from, from various you know, entities. Uh, and then that, that's probably going to you know, start that doubling effect. You're going to start seeing a launch. Right now we're looking at twice a week, right? So pretty soon it could be every day. So Is there a state that sort of – I mean, I guess I would put us first. Maybe Texas is close. Is there a state that's close? Or I, well, that's a great, and that's one of the things that I, I always thought about in state government, and I, now it's really true in the space race, if you will. Um, yes, the other states are, are working hard because they see this now as, as a really great opportunity economically. Uh, it inspires kids. You know, I always say, do you want to take algebra or do you want to take space math? <laughs> They're not far apart. But, right. but, but this, this, you know, like the, uh, back in the day when NASA was putting people on the moon, Lots of kids would say, I want to do that, and it would inspire a whole generation right. of, of students. Well, we're in that same position, and, and other states are noticing that. I would say Alabama is probably, they have a very uh, aggressive view. Texas has a very aggressive view of it, because, and, and, and California. California yeah. um, but, but nobody has the cape, and let me just quickly tell you why. So the cape, if you can imagine, it's like a little, you, you think they just picked it maybe because it was Florida back in the 50s where it wasn't as many people. But no, if you look at the way the Cape is structured, how it, it kind of points out into the, into the Atlantic Ocean, it has the ability to launch on a polar launch. So you can get uh, satellites in orbit on a polar, or you can do equatorial. You can go south. And both launches are over water, so they're very safe. Mm -hmm. And no place else in the world has that. So you, you have this unique geographic situation. Right. You have a state that's very friendly to space. We, you know, because of NASA and their and their original investment, and now we have Patrick Air Force Base, and we have this star. We have Space Force now, right. and and they are really focused on national security, but also making sure that space travel and all of the things that go around managing all of this stuff in in orbit is safe. Yeah, and that's all in Florida. Amazing. Yeah, talk about the workforce integration part of your title. Well, we're growing, and when you grow, what do you need? You need workers, and and and. I wouldn't even say everybody thinks space. I have to be a highly skilled worker. You have to be an engineer. That is not true. You 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 need people to be able to build satellites, build rockets, build the infrastructure. You think about the roads and the bridges, and 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 you know we have to have unique things to get these ever increasingly large rockets. 
like Artemis was the largest rocket ever to take off in human history, and it lit up the sky like daylight, right? <laughs> Two o'clock yeah. in the morning, crazy. But, but those things were incredibly heavy; they need to be moved, you know, all those things. So those workers, you can't just get them in Brevard County or Volusia County or Indian River County, though right. they are cranking out some great kids. There's just not enough. Yeah. So part of my job with workforce integration is to have a statewide view because we are the statewide spaceport, and we do have operations in Pensacola. I mentioned CECL, even down in South Florida, there's a lot of space. So how about those kids that are taking classes in STEM? How about figuring out how they can, uh, you know, or even kids here at Rollins that are doing things. I mean, there's an opportunity out at the Cape to, to come and learn how to, you know, get a, a credentialing thing, even if it's just, air, you know, HVAC or, or, or uh, welding, all those kind of skills. You, you, take, you take those credentials, you take those skills, and you can – you know, with, with, with slight modification, you're, you're literally building a rocket. Yeah. And we just need to find more kids that can do that. And uh, so my job is to get the employers and the providers uh, together to say, do we, are we talking the same talk? Are we providing the right thing in the classroom that can be translated to, to the launch pad or to the building facility? And then, and then just like Crummer, I let them all talk amongst themselves, <laughs> and you can see it. They're like, oh, you meant this kind of wiring, not and, – and once you get that nomenclature straight, you, boom. Then you, then you have yeah. people talking about jobs, and they're good jobs. And, and unlike the Apollo program or the shuttle program, which had a big upswing and then went away, yeah. private space is not going away. No. The, it, there, there, is a, there is a sustainable economic value that is going to only increase for – I mean, yeah. we're, we're, that's why they call it Blue Origin, because someday somebody's going to come back. They're going to be born in space, and they're going to look at their Blue Origin, which is the orb known as Earth. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Any, uh, any breaking news you want to break here on this show? I mean, kind of, and not, you know, I'm kidding, but, like, what's next? Like, what's next at Space Florida where in a couple of years we'll all say, wow. I think I think a lot of it's just the, the, what I said before is about the cadence. I think, I think you know, rather than having to go get on your uh, – on your on the computer or on your phone and figure out when the next launch is. I think you're probably going to be able to start setting your watch and say, okay, there's probably going to be a launch at four o'clock today. And sure enough, you're going to look up and there is. And I think it's not breaking news, but but what what uh, what Elon Musk is trying to do with the Starlink and and what uh, I think other competitors are, are are looking at the same opportunity is, you know, there, there's not going to be a dead zone for your phone here relatively like soon. And I'm talking about even in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Wow. I mean, we are going to have a we're going to have a a, a, a web, if you will, all around the world of low Earth, low Earth orbit satellites that are going to be able to communicate with your device wherever you are in the world uh, through GPS and everything else. So you will never be lost at sea, or you'll never be in a circumstance where you're in the woods and can't figure out what's going on. Though that's pretty much, I mean, you talk about saving lives. We we did this just recently when the hurricanes hit the Southwest Florida. Right. Space Florida worked with, with SpaceX to reorganize some of their uh, Starlink satellites to put them directly over Fort Myers out on the Sanibel Beach area so that they could communicate with the search and rescue teams in real time to find people that were p- potentially, you know, in life-threatening situation post-hurricane. It was – and it happened like that. We just – I mean, we, we went we, – you know, we, we called over to SpaceX. They said, sure, we'll reorganize the satellites. We got, we got the governor's office to say, okay, we're, what are we doing with the search and rescue teams? And and it all was seamless, and it and it, I I hope I I believe it probably saved lives, and yeah. that that's kind of what yeah. this new thing of space is. We can do things we couldn't do even five ten years ago. Fascinating, yeah, amazing. Um, you've had an amazing career and uh, an awesome journey. Um, 
I feel like in a lot of ways it's sort of nonlinear, right? Like you, yeah. n nobody creates your, your career path as it lays out, but it's, it's been fascinating. Um, I love the fact that you've spent some time here, got your uh, MBA at Crummer. Talk a little bit as we close about, you know, the role of Rollins College in, in Central Florida, if not the state. Uh, this is Rollins around town after all. And so, you know, what, what, what would... Why is Rollins important to the Central Florida community? Well, I, I think the ethos of Rollins is we're, it's a liberal arts institution, right? And you want to have, like, we walked in this building and you showed me upstairs about all the international opportunities and all, and you can take advantage of those if you want. You don't have to. You can get a great degree here, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity that you can take at your own behest, right? That's, when you look at my life, that's kind of what I say, oh, I'll try that. I'll try that. Because that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a liberal arts mindset. I'm going to experience life. I'm going to try different things. I mean, that might fail, right? Life is a lot of failure. You've got to overcome that. I learned that from baseball. I learned that when I you know, ran and lost in the, yeah. in, the, in the congressional race. It's how you handle those failures. And I think that's a lot of what Rollins, I think that's what a liberal arts education is. You try things, you experiment, you learn. You, 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 it, it makes your horizons much broader. Not to say it's not bad to be an engineer or something that you're really, if you're really convicted in that, go make it happen. But I think that's what that's what I think of when I think of Rollins. I think of I think of that that opportunity just to give give the world like a a, 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 a try. Yeah. And you know, and, and from the community standpoint, I mean, it's the the founding of uh, of Rollins College, you know, coinciding with the founding of Winter Park and how they're just integrated. It's just, I mean, you, there wouldn't be a, it, they just wouldn't work without each other. Winter Park has a Rollins feel and Rollins has a Winter Park feel and they, and they have a really nice, uh, you know, they don't always totally get along, <laughs> but, but when they do, it's really, it, the synergy is great. And then you see the kids and their parents on like, we're coming up on alumni weekend that yeah. those are, that, I mean, I, the Grove is, is a great thing for people who are waffling as, as long as it's not raining. It's awesome. And, uh, and then, and then just the idea that, you know, all, all the students and their families. And, and if you notice a lot of Rollins folks, when they graduate, they stay, you yeah. know, and I think that's an interesting, that that's just, yeah, your case in point there. Yeah. That's a testament to the community and the school being being integrated and having having a nice vibe. Um, yeah. And I think about my mind's going through all the friends I have from Rollins, and a lot of them are local, and, and they probably came from someplace else, which is you know indicative of, of Florida. But now we're having multi generational Floridians. People are staying, and they're raising their kids here, like I'm doing. And and I think that Rollins is, has has had a great effect on Winter Park when it comes to that. These people that came went to college here, stayed, then they raised their families here, and some of them are going to Rollins, and that's that's the beauty of a community that's that's integrated. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Mike, you're one of the good ones. Uh, always love hanging with you. Thanks for all you uh, have done and are doing for Rollins and for Central Florida, and uh, man, good luck at uh, Space Florida. Can't wait to see what's next, and we'll, we'll get you on again down the road or uh, and, and see what the latest and greatest is with Space Florida. Yeah, thank you, Sam. You, you do great work for this college, and I'm proud to be your friend. Thanks, thanks. brother. So thanks for, uh, for uh, tuning in today to Rollins Around Town. Keep updated on all of our shows and guests. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town, and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Special thanks to Kalani, our awesome student marketing coordinator and board operator. With that, uh, we wish you a great day, and thanks for tuning in.